From runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 407, Threat Modeling with guest Robert Hurlbut. Recorded Monday, January 12th, 2015. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brennan. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. It's 2015, and we're ripping along as usual here one show a week every Wednesday. So thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is Robert Hurlbut, and he is an independent consultant based in Massachusetts and Connecticut. He specializes in software security and software architecture. He is a past Microsoft MVP in developer security and speaks at national and international conferences, code camps, user groups, and provides training to clients. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Richard. So uh, we got an IT crowd here, and you're heavily immersed in this whole idea of threat modeling around security. You know, we often do security shows about the last hack. You know, we've talked about North Korea and Sony and all of that sort of thing. What does it mean to, to threat model? Well, threat modeling, um, essentially, if, if you look at it from uh, historically, it was considered to be a part of design, secure design. Right. So... Um, one thing I think about, and, and actually I, I will mention just briefly, there's a, a really great resource that, that came out last year. And I've been speaking on threat modeling for a number of years. I've given talks on it and so forth and looked at the, the books that came out of Microsoft and others. Uh, but there was one that came out by Adam Shostak, a program uh, director over at uh, Microsoft, and has written a lot on threat modeling. But this one in particular is is really good on threat modeling, designing for security. And one of the things that I, I like that he presented in that particular book is that if you think about it, we're all threat modeling. Right. What does that mean? Well, think about your house. If you uh, think about the design of a house, what are, what are things that we do whenever we put together doors, locked locks on doors, locks, locks on, on windows, windows, and so forth? Security system, cameras, sensor, motion sensors. Right. What are we thinking about? Well, we're thinking about uh, perhaps an attacker wanting to come into our house. Now, we don't think about uh, an attacker necessarily uh, knocking down a wall, but we do think about an attacker perhaps uh, being able to open a door or opening a window. We think of common data points right. or common uh, points of access. And so with those things in mind, we build a model, if you will, of, of how an attacker can come in. And so then we think about how can we then protect against those things. Mm -hmm. So that's where we focus our time. That's where we focus our attention. We do that without even thinking, as I said. It's sort of reflex. You know, in our, it, it's a reflex in our car. You know, when we get out of our car, uh, we, we don't leave certain valuables lying around that are easily seen through a window. Right. We know to lock the door. We know to take things with us and so on. Again, we're we're actually thinking about these things, and that's really what we talk about when we're saying a threat model. We're thinking of 
the ways that an attacker may use these these common methods of access, as well as the things that are important to us. So, um, you know, for example, we don't think about the attacker that what color shirt he has or right. uh, what color shoes he has. We think about what is he most interested in and what are the, the ways that he might attack. So, uh, you think about it in that re- regard, and especially for just the common everyday person, it's a great way to, to think about uh, our systems and then translate that into our software systems for IT people. And it makes a lot of sense. And and I also like this idea. I mean, a lot of what you're describing here is sort of the implicit model or the subconscious model. You think about locking the door and, and putting a good lock in the door, but you don't think about the guy with the pickup truck who backs through the wall. Correct. You know, that there's going to be threats you haven't considered because you're just not looking that way either. When we think in terms of software, I mean, do you start with the login screen? Uh, That may be one way, certainly. But uh, again, if it's a a secure design, um, if you're thinking about secure design, a lot of times for software, we don't think about these things until after the fact. Right. Unfortunately. Uh, you can see that. I mean, that's clear nearly every day when you talk about the data breaches and, and other uh, things that are happening in the news is that we find out about things after the fact. And in some cases, they either thought through a few things or they didn't think of everything. But there are still a majority of, of software systems where they didn't think about this at all. Right. But but certainly, you, you know, if you're looking at a, a let's say, a website, there are certain uh, ways that an attacker may... Uh, be able to uh, use the way this, the site is set up or the way the application mm-hmm. works. For example, uh, I can log in. Well, what are some things that could happen with login? I can, um, I might have JavaScript on that web page. What are some things that I can, can do with JavaScript and how can I uh, use that to my advantage? Uh, one technique that has been around for, for a while, and there are several ways to do this, but uh, one is to use the stride. Uh, method of classification of the kinds of threats that may uh, be possible. Uh, Stride simply is spoofing, Mm -hmm. tampering, repudiation, information disclosure, denial of service, and elevation of privilege. And this was put together, you know, several years ago uh, by some really smart folks at, at Microsoft mainly, but others have talked about it, but they're the ones who've really pushed it. And thinking about if you put the different kinds of threats in these categories and how they relate, for example, spoofing may be related to identity and, uh, you know, denial of service may have to do with, you know, availability of your service and, and software and elevation of privilege, of course, having to do with uh, authentication authorization uh, and, and being able to do more than you should be able to. Um, if you think of it in those ways and then relate that to the kind of threat that could happen, I mean, that's a nice little framework that you can start looking at your application, whether it be a website, whether it be uh, you know a desktop application or some other kind of application that you have uh, available or you're, you're creating. Uh, it helps to then give you you know, some some way to get started and and then move forward on thinking about these things, right? And and just yeah, this these seem like five six good talking points of how are we dealing with I mean, repudiation is a, gla- a great one. That they, how are we dealing with whether or not we know people have taken actions or not? Just the whole way of thinking about audit, 
Right. And logging and, and so, and also, uh, yeah, so repudiation, I didn't really make that purchase. I didn't really give you my credit card right. information. How do you know that? How are you verifying that? How are you, uh, you know, making sure that you're not, um, uh, that, that information is not going away. So you have good logging, but you also have checks to make sure that that, uh, is not tampered with and changed and, and, and so on. So, mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. So those are things you have to think about. The other other nice thing that you can um, keep in mind are data flow diagrams or how data flows from one system to the other. Right. It, it turns out that, uh, you know, just like what we said about the house analogy, uh, the external wall uh, and, and, and so forth may not move, but things that do move like windows and doors, you have to be more aware of well same thing with software systems data in motion moving around and and obtaining data pushing data saving data those are things that also are important to watch for because those are the places where you have transitions between one system and another and those are those are key key targets uh, for attackers as well right. so that's also a good thing to think about is how how do these things flow through the system because those key points are also going to be um, things that you need to keep track of and, and, and be aware of. Yeah, and just a different ways of thinking about where those exposures are and how how all of this security on one side is circumvented from an opening on the other side. Just, you know, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Right, absolutely. Do you, only, do you run across a lot of folks, like I, I think about stuff like Heartbleed, and I think an awful lot of folks just throw up their hands around security and say, I'm going to, there's nothing for me to do until the security professionals tell me about the next leak. And then it's just patch it as quickly as possible. Well, you have to, well, here's an interesting uh, thing that um, I know also Adam Shostak mentions in his book. And I thought it was really interesting when I first heard it is that uh, he indicated that you know, one of the, the the top things that we hear out there for thinking about security is we got to think like an attacker, right? Uh, you know, what does an attacker do? What do they think? What do they think about? The truth is, we don't necessarily know. <laughs> um, you know, most of us, except that if you really study this and taken some time and and learn the patterns and see what uh, these guys are doing, we really don't know. Uh, we don't know all the uh, the ins and outs and and what exactly uh, you know. There's that old analogy of you know we've got uh, let's see a few hours or a few months or something like that to put together some software. An attacker can potentially have years if they want to keep looking at your software and all the vulnerabilities sure. and, and try to exploit them. So we have this this limited amount of time and, and resources where, but instead an attacker may have unlimited, almost unlimited. So you're never going to get all of them, but what you, you don't want to do is get to a place where you say, I'll do nothing. Right. So you do have to be aware. Uh, you do have to understand some of the patterns. The, the funny thing about some of these, if you look at some of the breaches and you look at some of the, uh, the things that have come out, the malware and so forth, a lot of them have patterns. Um, it, not everybody is a, an original. Uh, many are, are copycats. Uh, many will see that uh, something else has is, is been successful 
And so they will also try. Or if they've, if they've done this particular um, breach in, in one way or another to a company, uh, you may see something very similar elsewhere because if it works one place, it'll work again somewhere else. Um, so you still have to be aware of those things. You can't know everything, but you know certainly knowing certain patterns and watching for them is always going to be helpful. Uh, but also being you know being aware, being uh, as much uh, thorough and and um, and discerning as you can mm-hmm. um, is always is always key. Yeah, and I guess you know. Diligence as a strategy is one thing, but uh, just this, I like the stride model just because it makes me think about stuff I I may forget about, that, that, that this is not obvious. We always think about a direct assault, not so much. Well, I, I sort of see two classes, like in the case of the Sony event, which they did a show a month or so ago about, I mean, clearly they were after Sony and there's still some argument as to who that was, if it was an insider or an outsider and so forth, which I think is a much different security problem than a random external attacker. You know, thieves look for the path of least resistance. That's why they're thieves. What's the easiest way to make the money? So you're not trying to beat down you're not trying to go after a specific assault. You're just trying to be difficult enough that they go on to the next guy. Right. Of course. Absolutely. The, fun, the funny thing about that one, and, and not that one in particular, but um, you know, one of the other patterns that we see, and, and this was hard to think about. It mm-hmm. really is, is that the majority of uh, successful security breaches and other kinds of attacks happen from the inside, not the outside. Right. We don't think about that ever. No. <laughs> you know, all we think about is that, that guy that's outside somewhere. The black you know, hat. He's yeah. the black hat somewhere, some other country, something. He's using other people's computer. He's trying to come in from the outside, and we completely miss the vulnerabilities we have on the inside within organizations or disgruntled employees uh, or social engineering using – you know, various kinds of emails or, or, you know, giving a call to a, to a person at a desk and saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who just forgot how to get back into my password. Could you help me? You know, things like that. We, we miss that. And, uh, you know, those are, there's some, but they're common patterns and yet, you know, they're, they're certainly uh, things that we, we have to be aware of as well. Well, and I, and I don't want to get psychotic about my, co-workers either but this to me the biggest thing it speaks to is this your super user account your these admin accounts that have access to everything that is the bane of our existence internally that there's that the fact that there are accounts that have access to everything that really we need to get more granular on administrative accounts so that the range of damage is limited the other thing about this is there are some fundamental security um, ideas that you can put in place, like least privilege, right. and um, you know, minimal uh, need. You know, what do I need here, and no more. Yes, uh, that you know, two people needing access to be able to do this, not just one. Uh, checks and balances, and and so on. So there's some also some basic things you can put in place. That as long as you have those, uh, you have some measure of security. Um, not maybe full confidence, but you certainly have a much better um, uh, model and a but much better approach than if you did nothing and say, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Right, right. Hey, Run As Radio is brought to you by ScriptRock, the makers of Guardrail and the fighters of Configuration Drift. 
Configuration drift happens in every environment from five nodes to 5,000. Guardrail will find and scan the configs of every node in your environment, no matter the platform, and alert you to changes happening across machines. Give it a try for three months free with the coupon code RUNASRADIO, all one word, at scriptrock.com slash RUNASRADIO. I think this is another big piece of this is that you you just want to have a big red button that says, I am secure now, and get it out of your head, not worry about it anymore. How often are you sort of redoing your threat model, digging through it and looking at it again? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, there was a way back when in some of the models that, that came out for, for threat modeling articles and so forth, they had a, a graphic that showed a, okay, we, we understand the threat, we determine what to do, and then we go around in the circle again. Right. And, and the natural, um, response to that question is you never end. <laughs> you keep on going. It's, and it's painting the bridge, and right? When you get to the end of the bridge, it's time to start. It's time to start again. Now, <laughs> of course, realistically, when you go to a, uh, a software shop or any, any group that, uh, has to do, some kind of budgeting <laughs> and you tell them, well, you know, they ask, okay, so what do we do here? When does this end? And you tell them never, it, you always <laughs> going to have to put some money. It, it's a hard sell. Yeah. It's a hard sell. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I know that particular book, which is uh, there's some interesting things in there, but I, I would just mention a couple things. He, he came up with some questions. What are you building? What can go wrong? What are you going to do about it? And how did, how did you do on those three questions? <laughs> and it's a very simple, simple way to break it down. But if you think about it, instead of just around and around and around, if you think about it, well, first of all, what do I do as a company that's never done this? Where do I start? Well, the simple answer is just do it. Just start. Yeah. What are we trying to do? And then what can go wrong? You know, I may not know anything about Stride, but I can think about a few things that might go wrong here. You know, what's wrong with this picture is, an, is a good way of thinking about that. And then, uh, and then what are we going to do about it? Because at the end of the day, you may know that you have five cross-site scripting issues on your website. You have to then decide, am I going to address them? Am I going to file bugs against them? Am I going to fix them and verify they're fixed? Or am I going to wait and fix the, the two biggest priority ones because of budget? And then next quarter, we'll look at the remainder. And part of this is just accessing an exposure to risk. Exactly. What is the consequence of this being exploited? Exactly. So that's the answer, really. When you ask, you know, when someone says, well, when do we ever, when is the end? It doesn't, but then you can, you can determine what is your level of risk and how do you want to handle this? There are certain things that you can make decisions about. We say, I know that we have this vulnerability, but it's not as bad as that one. So let's concentrate on that one and, and then appropriate the, the time and resources to the other and keep track of it. Don't lose track of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's a, a good way to handle that, uh, question. Because again, if you tell um, someone who's making the decisions about budget, uh, this will never end, and your budget item will, you know, just keep putting money towards it. Um, that's a hard sell. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, it's uh, how much are you going to dedicate to electricity? 
When do right. we stop buying that? Right. Exactly. It's just exactly. A, it's a question of an ongoing cost, but it also a moderate cost. You're going to be there's obviously peaks. Uh, having nothing like having a pen test done to create a whole bunch of work items in a big hurry about ah didn't think about that one, did we? Right. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that kind of work. I, I've really, I have. It's, I it, have. it's an interesting gig. It is. It is. Uh, the, the interesting about that one when you're running a pen test is. Uh, you have a certain number of things that you're looking for, typically. You're, you're running tests for known common vulnerabilities. Uh, what we, what we're trying to do with, with threat modeling, on the other hand, is come at it from a different uh, angle in that, uh, we're, we know some things, but there are some things we don't know. How can we uncover those? We may not realize, oh, that, that door was wide open. Right. We didn't even and know it was a door. Inside. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a door. Uh, Pentest has is a very narrow focused. It, it's from the outside. Uh, typically, Pentest don't know anything about the the um, the code itself internally. It, it will try to access the data if it can through through known channels and known vulnerabilities, but it, it's still somewhat limited. Uh, you know, design, secure design is trying to take a bigger picture and say, okay, we have a much bigger thing here. We know all of it. Mm-hmm. What what could go wrong here? I guess, you know, we want to have the luxury of a dedicated security person, but I don't think it happens. It's just, you know, until you get to very large organizations. And I, and I don't envy that guy's job either. I've met a few folks that that's their job is dealing with the threat. And, you know, they uh, they have a tough time being in the room with lots of other people because they're the ones saying no a fair bit. True, true. That I think they say that, you know, one of the good traits, best traits of a security person is that they're very pessimistic. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, and, and they're always asking, you know, why? Why are we doing that? What's the purpose? Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, it, it, you don't want to be the unpopular one. Uh, but <laughs> it's, not, you know, I think part of that is the best guys I've met, that didn't matter to them. And, right, of course. And, the, of course. and, yeah, and it's they very much really a personality, yeah. you know. Yeah, and they don't care. <laughs> they, 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 that doesn't worry them. But they do, you know, they worry about some interesting things. And they, and one of the reasons they ask why is to try to figure out the value of something so that they can offset it against the risk that it contains. Correct, correct. And it, but you do mention something I think is interesting as well about sh- maybe some shops that can't afford a full-time security person sure. or a security person at all. I think it still speaks to um, – the importance of, uh, I know, for example, Microsoft and others who, other companies who are, who have taken steps to make sure everybody has some understanding of this. Not just, uh, the security experts, but every developer, every, uh, person has at least an understanding to the point where they can make decisions properly. Right. Sometimes when you're, you're building software, you'll come to a place and you know what the specs say, you understand and you're implementing, but you, you have a decision to make about one way or another to implement, let's say, uh, this, this login, uh, box or, uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. And how do I, how do I take the password? What do I do with it? Where do I store it? You know, you have some decisions to make. And I, and I think that, um, even if you're not able to afford 
a full-time security person, you certainly can uh, spend a little bit of time, invest in some security understanding for your uh, staff, developers, and so forth, so that at least they are equipped to have some decision-making skills whenever they get to those points and say, well, I may not know everything, but I at least can think about what I'm doing here and the implications it might have. Maybe I need to find out a little bit more about what's going on here. And that's a, that's a mindset. It's sure. a change. It's a, it feels uh, like it's something you want to, you want to run down that threat, the stride threat model each time you build something new or each time you're going to implement, even if I'm bringing in a new router, you know, or a new piece of hardware of any kind. The idea that I would just think through the stride model on this device as I bring it in. What's this areas of exposure? You know, yeah, auditing's not turned on by default. If somebody made a change to this device, how would I know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's good to have those kinds of uh you know, those tools, those thought process in place with you know, anything I introduce. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also a, kind of answering the question about when do you stop this? Well, certainly if a system never changes, then it's easier. Yeah, but at the <laughs> same time, the outside easier. world continues to change. The range, you know, the kinds and range of exploits is continue to evolve. If your system's always the same, you still got to get new attacks. Correct, correct. But and I, you and may I, also introduce, you may also introduce new um, features or new... You know, a new way, a new database, a new table, a new, you know, and you have to think about, okay, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, what does this new feature mean for us? And, and you know, there's also that trade-off b- between security and usability. You know, some people don't like the fact that you have to remember these passwords or right. you can't use the same one in multiple places. And, well, you know, what a pain. Mm-hmm. Well, there are nice tools, password managers that come along to help with that and, and, and so forth. But those are the trade-offs that you also have to think about. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, for some people, it's a very uncomfortable world, but it is where we are, and and it will continue to be so as we move forward. It's such a great idea if you're working inside of an organization to just run a lunchtime class on here's how to use LastPass or OnePass or you know pick your password manager because the average mortal not only doesn't use one but has no idea how to, and they're Correct. and they're not friendly tools. You know, it takes time to sort of get your head around that. Somebody would really walk folks through that. Yeah, all right, here's how you do this. And here's how you manage these accounts. And look how easy it is now that every three months, I just change all these passwords. It's not a big deal. It's easy to do. It keeps track of all that for you. Well, certainly, if you make it easier and and help people understand why they do what they do, they're, they're more likely to adapt it. You know, if it's so difficult, and I have no idea why I have to do this again than the path of least resistance. I yes. mean, there's, you know, the stories are out there where you, you force your entire staff to change their password every few weeks. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see the yellow sticky notes. Yep. Post-it notes everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> have you uh, increased security or decreased it? Let's think about that. Exactly. Exactly. So it goes hand in hand. You, you oh, know, without you, a doubt. You and it, and it's require the security, but then you've also got to explain why and 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 find out some ways to make this make sense. And and how can I 
you know, do this and it, oh, okay, I'm doing my part in making this secure. Great. Yep. And I understand the implications of what I'm doing or not doing. Yeah. And, and I mean, certainly starting just that whole password piece. I think the other thing that's interesting around the, the, these later stages of threat modeling, I'm loving two factor authentication. This idea, you know, it's the kind of security that makes you feel good. And I've been pursuing that more and more. The same way I like it when my credit card company phones me after I have a transaction. Didn't block the transaction. Just does it and then said, hey, that was you, right? Because if it wasn't you, then uh, we we got a problem. But if it was you, then everything's fine. Just checking. And that's like, oh, good. You guys are paying attention. I really like that I go to a site uh, and I get a text message from them that says, hey, we just saw you log in from this different device. If If that wasn't you, please let us know. But if it was, everything's fine. Yeah, and previously, if uh, a user may have gotten those kinds of messages and say, "What a burden! Why do I keep stop bothering me?" Right. But, but you know, explaining this is why we're trying to help you yes. be secure. Well, and, and, and also not making it an obstacle. Not not you can't right. do this until you talk to us. It, it never stopping you, but let you know. Right. Right. You know, letting you know no, what the a, path is. It, it's it's those are good choices and, and but that's all that's what it's all about. And that's why I was saying about the decision making. It's it's making good choices about how do we do this more securely, understanding why we're doing it and, and verifying and then moving forward with some confidence. Yeah. I, I do think that the for the guy who has to wear the security hat, this idea of thinking in ways that people are actually going to be pleased that uh that you're on the job that security is better that we're aware of what's going on and we're making sure things are safe that uh is an, a relatively novel thought i think but uh it seems i i think there's a there's a need there and it's a it's a good way to go well i think so too and plus now especially if, if you, obviously you've seen i think 2014 was probably the year of security yep uh, certainly data breaches became much more uh common i mean they've been around uh, it's interesting that uh, you know some of these have not because of PI, uh, PII and and other kinds of um, uh, requirements, PCI compliance and so forth. About when do we report the breaches or not? You know, some of these we don't know in the past. We didn't know. Now we know about them much, much more, and uh, so people are more aware, and they don't mind those interruptions, and they do want to know that you know their data is secure, and they will go the extra steps now for sure. Well, and I worry that we're at a Kessler syndrome stage in security where so many breaches have happened, so many passwords exposed, the, the, the black hats are better and better armed to attack us than ever before. Uh, we, we're going to have to make this leap forward to be better at security than that black hats are at hacking us given the resources they have available to them now. It's, uh, oh, yeah, it's certainly, certainly a, a time. Uh, to, you know, 2014 was one thing, 2015, I think it's going to be another entirely. Well, we hope so, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it when we to get be. to fight back. <laughs> yes. Uh, Robert, really fun to talk to you. Uh, I'll certainly add a link to the show notes about uh, uh, Shoshak's book on threat modeling. Uh, any other references? Folks that can go and learn more? Well, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I, you know, quick plug. I have a threat modeling course that will be coming out on Pluralsight, my first Pluralsight course. So awesome. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. I'm also, uh, I mean, my focus is on secure design and architecture and so forth. So I'm, I'm putting together several talks. I'm planning or courses rather for Pluralsight. 
so uh, you know, look for those. But on secure design and and uh, SDLC and and so forth. Uh, also, some conferences I'm speaking at this year. I put some proposals out there, so look awesome. for that. When are we going to be able to see that Pluralsight class? Is it up yet? Not yet. No, it would be. Uh, I'm still finishing it. <laughs> okay. So it's it's going to be in the next. Uh, you know, by end of this month or or next month, you'll see it February. Hopefully by February. By the time this shows out, it'll be up there. Go take a look. That's yeah, absolutely fantastic, Robert Hurlbut. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And Richard. we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. 